All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dropping the Gloves with Tim and John. Tim's on location in Virginia right now. That's why he wasn't here on Monday. He's so busy. He's just a working man. He didn't join me and Jason Mares, the Olympic specialist, but now he's back. He's back and he's re- ready, raring to go, right, Tim? That was a great interview. I, I, um, it was cool to hear just like how hard he's been working. You talked about this before, too. Like Skating alone, working out alone is really hard especially when you're doing only like up and down, it's just back and forth, just trying to just get that cardio and get the legs under you. Like, how do you do that by yourself? It's the, it's the hardest thing to get yourself motivated to even get to the rank and say, you know what, we're going and we're going to bag. We're going to bag all day. Cause you pay for the ice and you want to make it worth it, but good for him, man. Coming off of back surgery, taking the initiative. I'm guessing he didn't have, a personal trainer or somebody, or he would have mentioned that he just was out there on his own at the ASU college ice rink. Like that's pretty impressive by Jason. Yeah, I, I didn't care for the interview. I'll be completely frank. Why? I, it, it was such a weird situation where I had somewhere to be at four 30 PM. And so we scheduled the interview for two, 2 PM. He was doing meetings and then the meeting just kept going longer and longer and extending and extending. And we're six, seven hours different. So by the time he's done with all his meetings, it's it's got to be nine, nine o'clock there. And I am pushed to my limit. And so I, I tried to reschedule. He's like, let's just do it now. Let's go for it. And I was so like just nervous about the clock. I didn't get all the questions out I wanted to. And I got the the important ones out, I thought, and the ones I wanted to really talk about but there were some other ones i was interested in that i just didn't get out so i wasn't impressed with the interview but it went all right i I think we'll do another one with them hopefully that china will let him do an interview i don't know i don't know i I didn't want to get him in trouble with china but i don't know tim china's like a i don't know what to expect it's a scary place so i don't know it was all right hopefully they win a medal how fun would that be for jason damaris See, I thought the interview was great. I'm wondering, like, other than the young kids, like Power and McTavish, but the other guys like him, the career pro guys, do you think his story is pretty, like, representative of the rest of the group where they got an injury or no contract or this or that? And just, and this was, they were always on the radar for Team Canada? Well, I think so. I think there's always contingency plans. And I, and he, 
you can tell he wants to air some dirty laundry with Gary Bettman and the whole NHL. He's got some issues there and he alluded to it a couple of times, but yeah, I, I bet you Canada knew this was going to happen the whole time. I, I bet you Gary Bettman planned for this since day one. He had no intention of sending the NHL. He had no intention of honoring his agreements to the players. And I, I, I truly believe Canada was in on that. Yes. There's a whole, Oh, we're going to bring these players. Always, always there was a plan B that was always in place. And they executed it and they were, I, I bet you they were talking to Jason early on and Eric Stahl and these guys, and they kept an eye on the players overseas, how they were doing their health, this and that. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, you can tell he, he's got some issues with the coyotes there. There's unresolved issues there with his, his health. And hopefully we're going to get him back on and talk about that. And he has some issues with um, Gary Bevan, obviously. So it is what it is. I, I think this is a, a neat thing. It makes me want to watch the Olympics now before that interview. I don't think I would have watched it, but who knows? Maybe some guys have got some contracts out of this. I, th- I think that's the, the idea for all these guys going into this Olympics. It's let's play well. Let's show some NHL GMs that we still got it. And let's get some, you know, contracts out of this. Troy Terry was the best player for Canada at the Olympics in Sochi. And now he he's turned that into just being unbelievable for the Anaheim Ducks. He's American, so, I think. Oh, he? For the Americans, excuse me. Yeah. So it, it's just exciting that, you know, maybe there's another guy coming out of this that we, we didn't know about, and he just turns it around. He's going to be leading the league in scoring, as Troy Terry was for a certain point this season. Who is this uh, Noro guy? You guys talked about him, and he was named an assistant captain, but I've never heard of him. <clears throat> Maxime Noro. Um, good young French defenseman. I played with him in Houston for a couple of years. He was my D partner. Good player, but just never really tied on with the wild never really he's just your your typical good small puck moving defenseman who just didn't have that next level to his game you know what i mean and it's and it's hard to say that because he's way better than i am but i have other aspects of my game that made it you know enticing to nhl gms i could fight i could hit i was imposing i was physical maxi he was a power play specialist he was a good puck moving defenseman and he was really elite at the AHL level. But when you put him in the NHL setting, you're going up against other guys, the Eric Carlson's, the Kale McCars. Those are the elite puck moving defensemen. And unless you can take one of their spots, you're not going to slot in in the five, six position at that time in the NHL. Now it's a different game. But um, yeah, 10 years ago, he was just not quick enough, not skilled enough to make the NHL. Maybe if he were to enter the league now, he would make it because you see the five, six positions in the NHL taken up by puck moving defenseman gone are the days where you're going to have just plumbers playing the five, six role who go out there and just bash heads. Like you got skill guys playing those positions now, but he's a good little defenseman. He um, was with team Canada four years ago. He's made a good career for himself overseas, which is smart. I've seen guys languish in the AHL for years in years and years and years, just chasing that dream. And every, I'm just like, go, go to Europe, make money. You make more money in Europe than you ever would in the AHL. Your your life is more enjoyable because you're the only game in town the fans love come seeing you. I remember I went to Lugano to train and I was blown away. The Swiss Elite League, the Blackhawks sent me, Marcus Kruger, Victor Stahlberg, um, and a couple other guys, Nicholas Jalmerson. And there was a, one more guy. They, they sent us there to train. And I was blown away by the facilities, beautiful little town nestled in the Swiss Alps, right by Lake Como, like just absolutely gorgeous. And they treat these players like 
they're superstars. They get, they all get a car, they all get a house, they get good pay and you live in this beautiful setting. It's like, okay, I can play in Lugano or I can go play in uh, Worcester, Worcester, Worcester. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I, I'd rather go to Lugano. So I don't know more, more guys didn't do that because I guess the, the, the carrot of the NHL is real. I, you remember Corey Locke. I don't know if you played with him. He was so incredibly skilled. He was a forward, small, shifty little guy, put up massive numbers in the AHL. I'm talking massive numbers every single year. Never got a sniff in the NHL. Maybe played one game, <clears throat> maybe one, maybe two. And I'm just like, Corey, every year I'm like, go to Europe and make a ton of money. Finally, at the end of his career, when he finally accepted the fact that he will never have an NHL career, he went to Europe with his family. I think his wife's name is Chantel. Had a couple years over there, probably made some do-re-mi, and he retired. But if he would have did that, Five years before, he would have made way more money, way more money. I think the max salary you can get now in the AHL is, I think it's like three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. So they have raised it up quite a bit from when I played. When I played, the max guy was getting one one hundred thousand, one hundred twenty thousand. So it wasn't like it is now. I think the AHL and NHL has realized they were losing a lot of high end talent to Europe, so they've increased the AHL pay to kind of keep more talent home. But um, man, like I said, where would you rather live? And no offense to these cities, but if I, if like you could go play in Sweden, you can go play in these beautiful places, Finland, Switzerland, Germany, like they all have really good hockey and they pay really well. Russia, I guess, to the KHL. Like, do I want to go play in Salzburg or do I want to play in Peoria? You know, it's like, right. Rockford, like there's so many, and these towns are quaint. They have nice characters. It's like when you're describing an ugly girl. No, she's really sweet. She's got a great personality. She's super funny. You're going to love her. Like she's just, she's just really wholesome. It's like, she's a, she's a dump truck tank. Like she's ugly and you can't say that, but it's like saying these AHL cities, you know, you know what? They just got a really good barbecue place really does. It's a, it's a junky city. So it is what it is. I guess that NHL dream is real. How do we get down? I'm going to get in trouble for that comment. I think Tim, I'm no, sorry. That's yeah, I, I, just, I made an analogy to real estate. It's a fixer-upper. Yeah, that it's one's got better. a lot of charm. That one's better. My my favorite moment from that interview, and then we can move on. But um, when he was like, I don't know if you know, but like, you know, Team Canada is really just goes all out for the guy. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, what he's like talking that? to me like I've ever been anywhere near a Team Canada selection camp. You know how it is, John. I'm like, no. Uh, actually, Jason, I don't. Never, ever has Team Canada ever even pretended to call me or accidentally called me. The closest I got to Team Canada was emailing your PR guy for Team Canada <laughs> interviews. That's Last it. Week. So let's just be honest here. Oh, it's too funny. All right, Tim. Let's get into some hockey talk. There's not a lot going on. Evander Kane is signed, scored his first game. Very exciting. Very just disappeared the second game versus Ottawa. Maybe that's a little fatigue. Who knows? We'll see how this pans out. Edmonton's still struggling. They're not doing that well. I'm still very much worried about them. That brings us to the power rankings. At one point, Edmonton was at the top of my power rankings. Do you remember that? I do. The the first month of the season, they were number one. Every week we did this. It was how good can this team be? Where will this team end up? Will they break the all-time Detroit Red Wings record for wins? I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, fast forward two months, the Edmonton Oilers are sitting sixth 
in the uber competitive Pacific division, the uber skilled Pacific division with the likes of the Vancouver Canucks and the Seattle Kraken and everyone's juggernaut Anaheim Ducks and Los Angeles Kings and Calgary Flames and San Jose Sharks. Woof. And they're sitting sixth in that division. Needless to say, they will be nowhere near my top three or top 10 or top 15 or top 20. The Edmonton Oilers would be out of my top 20 at this point if I had to rank 20 teams in the NHL that I thought had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. They're 19th. Not doing the top the league. 19th. Outside crazy. 20 for me, Tim. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's absolutely crazy how far they've fallen. How far the rich have for the powerful have fallen. All right, but we're going to do top three, bottom three, like we always do. Would you like to have the honors, Tim, of doing your top three power rankings for the year 2020 or year of the Lord, February 2nd? It's 2-2-2-0-2-2 today. 2-2-2-2. Oh, boy. Talk it, about uh, I wish it was Tuesday. It How exciting would that be? If it was Tuesday? Yeah. Oh, because Tuesday. Tuesday. Ooh, we can pretend. Or if, if we were interviewing Jordan Tutu. All right. <laughs> what do you got, Tim? Who's your top three? Um, my number one, and I know this isn't uh, this is sort of a boring pick. If you say the Bruins, I'm gonna turn the show off. Okay. No. Uh no, I mean I mean only because they're the number one team in the league right now. But Florida, I've decided that's that's the wagon i'm hitching to as an as an the objective hockey analyst side of tim the other side of tim is still bruins fan but they're they're my pick right now the, the way they're playing the way they're rolling do you see that game the other night where um there's i think it's their third line but third line yeah sam reinhardt had a hat trick and an assist that marchman kid had six points um yeah just a lot of fun to watch this is a scary team how good they are so I hope they're not peaking too early. I, I think this is this is my team now. This is the one that I'm I'm riding all the way to the Stanley Cup. So that's my number one. That's a that's a bold pick. Let's just dig in. So okay. I'll let you get your top three out because that's interesting. Colorado's my number two. Um, again, not you know, kind of a safe, boring pick. There's second in the standings, but I'm jumping down to the New York Rangers as my number three. They're currently fifth in the standings. They've won the last couple. I really like the way they're playing is Abanajad's heating up. He's been like two points a game in the last two weeks. Like he's he's doing his thing. And Kreider scored again last night. Um, it's just yeah, this is and Shisterkin. I saw a good tweet from someone last night, but he's like he's not just making a case for the Vezina. He's making a case for the Hart Trophy. The way that he's doing, like he's he's several points in, in say percentage above the next guy. Like he's keeping these guys in when they don't always deserve to win. He's their guy. So. It's hard to imagine wanting a, a better goalie than him in the playoffs. So he's, yeah, I think the Rangers and and they're my number three. Interesting. I like the Rangers. Um, Florida. I'm not. I'm not sold on Florida. I'm no, still not. not. I, I, they're not in my top three. I'm Why? sorry. I'm just not sold. I really am not. My number one's Colorado. They're so incredibly good. We were talking about it before the show. Even with McKinnon out, they can't lose. They, I don't know how long they're win, they, they, they've gone without losing a game in regulation. It, it has to be 10, 11, 12, 13 games. They're just unbelievable. At home, they're unbeatable. Speaking of twos, they're 22 and two at home. They're just, they're the most complete team top to bottom in the NHL right now, bar none. They have a, a superstar first line that can score at will. They have just as effective second line. They have a good checking third and fourth line. Their defense is just 
out of this world and Darcy Kempfer has rounded out to form and he's having a really strong season. I don't know another team that is as good as the Colorado Avalanche right now. They're really, really good. So they're my number one. My number two is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, they've won, they've won their last five. Austin Matthews has just shaken off his early season struggles where he was dealing, I think, just getting back from his wrist issues. He is scoring at will now. He had a hat trick the other night. I think he had one or two goals last night. They've won five in a row. I like the Toronto Maple Leafs. I like the way they're playing. The only caveat there is Jack Campbell. They need to get some help for him. He is he's shouldering too much of this workload. He is a really good goaltender. I'm putting him right in the Vesna race as well. He's just that good, and he's that important to Toronto. They need to go out and find a solid veteran to back him up. Nanton Hudobin, uh, maybe a flurry would be wishful thinking, but someone to just ease the load on him because he plays so much, and they rely on him a lot. But he is definitely producing. Well, yeah, but he, he's hit a, a bit of a wall. He let up one last night, but his last six games is three goals, three goals, five goals, five goals, three goals, five goals. So Wins, Yeah, he's winning because he's on a good team. But I'm just saying, and, and not because he's not playing well. Like, I think I think you're totally right. I think just the workload thing. You saw him last year was the first time that he was a full-time starter. Um, and I think maybe just getting him some help is a good idea. Thanks for dumping on my point, though, Tim. I appreciate that. Um, my third my third pick is also another one that's maybe thinking outside the box. The Minnesota Wild. They're, they're finally healthy. They got Jonas Brodin back. Kaprizov came back um, a month ago. They have been on fire. The last 10, they're 8-1-1. One, and one. They've also won five goals, five games in a row. They've only played 40 games. So they have a lot of games in hands on the team they're chasing. They have 57 points. I like the Minnesota Wild. Much like the Colorado Avalanche. I like the way they're built. I like their team top to bottom. I really, really like their back end. Goligoski is having a super bounce back season. He's playing on their first D unit with Spurgeon. He is a steady as she go defenseman. He doesn't do anything spectacular, but he's a very reliable, just vanilla defenseman. He reminds me of a Polly Martin or a Jay Bowmeister. Matt Miskinen, those journeyman defensemen. Yes. He's played on every team in the league. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what you're going to get. He's not going to put up many points, but he's just going to fill space. He's just going to be there and he's going to make the right play 90% of the time. And it's not going to be spectacular, but it won't be tragic. So he's been playing well. The big thing for them is getting Jonas Brodeen back. I think this guy is unbelievable. He is he is the modern day Nicholas Jalmerson, but he does more. He's just so incredibly good in the in the back end. His five on five play in the D zone. Is lights out. You put him up with Matthew Dumba, who's got some offensive upside. If that's your three four, Brodine and Dumba, that's insane. If you're if your three four is Brodine and Dumba, you're doing something right. They got Zuccarello for the power play. Jordan Greenway just signed a new deal with them. That line that he's on with um Felino and Erickson Eck, best third line in the league, right there. They're they're so incredibly good. They're balanced. When they were having issues with injuries, when Kaprizov was out, when Zuccarello was out, they had to call up some young guys. Matthew Boldy, he's been playing really, really well. He has just solidified their second line. He's he's the other skill factor they needed to kind of balance the scoring out a little bit so they didn't have to rely on that Kaprizov-Hartman-Zuccarello line so much. I like this team, Tim. I like them a lot. I like where they're headed. They've won five in a row. They finally got everyone healthy. And uh, I don't know. I just don't think... There's anybody in that division. Well, there is, but I like Minnesota. They're they're feisty. They're tenacious. They're hard to get out in the playoffs. We saw it last year. I like the Minnesota Wild. They're my number three team. 
There you go. Now, who you got for the bottom, Tim? We did the top three. We had some differences, obviously. Florida, I just don't, I, for whatever reason, I can't trust him. Jonathan Huberto, MVP candidate. I get that. Just can't trust him. Can't do it. Who's your bottom three? Who are the teams that are just, I think we're going to agree across the board who the worst team is. I'm interested to see who your other two are. All right. I'm going to go with Montreal as the, the worst team. I don't think there's really a case to be made for anybody else. And it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to wrap your head around how bad they've been. And, and to, to be fair, I haven't watched the games, but everything you read about the way that they're playing um, is just, it's like, I mean, I feel like in the, the basement of the league this year is the worst it's been that I can remember in a while. Like there are so many bad teams that, that just aren't even competing. Um, so yeah, so Montreal is, is, is my number one. I'll put Arizona right behind them. They're not much better, but um, they have some, they have some hot spots here and there. And then I go back and forth in the third one. This is a bit of a, of a reach pick, but honestly, when I think about not just objectively bad, but underperforming and, and, and disappointing, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. Those guys, they should be in the playoff contention. I know they're not as strong as some of these other teams. I'm not saying they should be, you know, locking down a playoff spot over Washington or Pittsburgh, but they should not be this bad. They're currently 26th in the standings. They're two, seven and one in their last 10. They just, they should not be this bad. And they are. And it's really, it's just, they're 0-4 in overtime. They're not, they're not delivering in that crunch time. It's it's inexplicable. And I think hopefully this team gets blown up as, as best as it can. They have a lot of expiring contracts and they have a lot of good players like we've talked about on the show. So we could see a very different Philadelphia team next year, but they're my, they're my third pick here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, not a bad three. My, Montreal's the worst. And it, what makes it even worse for me is when you go to cap friendly, who's at the top of that list? Montreal. Montreal Canadians. And then you look at their injured reserve, their long-term injured reserve, the NHL player-assisted program, their non-rostered players that are off the salary cap, non-rostered. It's so much money they have on there. Jonathan Duran, Christian Dvorak, David Savard, Joel Edmondson, Jake Allen, Matthew Perot, Michael McNiven are on injured reserve. That's $21.5 there. Long-term LTIR, they got Shea Weber. That's 7.8. The assistant program, Carey Price is still in that. That's 10.5. I wonder if they can't bring him back because they can't find space for him to get back on the team because right now they have 6.69 in space available. Not just because of all these guys on the IR. It, they, they have such <clears throat> salary cap hoops to jump through. It's unbelievable. I, I do not envy Kent Hughes walking into this situation. Most people would say the Montreal Canadiens GM is a dream job. They are the most storied franchise in NHL history. They got the most Stanley Cups. They got jerseys hung up around the whole entire rink. When you look at retired jerseys, it's literally every single number from 1 to 20 is retired. It's amazing what they've done in their history. That is a train wreck of a job. He is going to have a hard time digging this team out of the hole that they are in right now with the Gallagher contract, with the Anderson contract, with the Hoffman contract, with the Toffoli contract, with the Petrie contract, with the Dvorak contract, with the Savard contract, with the Edmondson contract, with the Price contract. None of those contracts are good. Which one would you like? There's none of them that I would take if I was a GM on another team for what for face value. They are in a tough spot, Tim. 
a, an absolutely tough spot. And everybody, uh, Mark Burge, man, he got now he's the the assistant coffee maker to the president in Los Angeles. And he, the guy just, you know, my, my boss here, where I work in my engineering firm, he says, I fell in the crap house and I came out smelling like roses. And that's what Mark Bergerman did. He fell in the crap house, which he dug himself and filled up with poop with all these contracts. He came out of there smelling like roses. And now he goes to LA and now he's the photocopy getter. And then he waxes the, the president's car on the weekends, every second weekend, that's his job. And he makes $3 million doing it. Stupid. Montreal is my worst place team. Oh, that bothers me. And the next on the list, it's a tough one. I'm going to go the New Jersey devils. They are so incredibly inept. It drives me nuts. And the fact that I'm ranking these two teams, it's because the devils do actually have good players on their team. They actually do invest in their team a little bit. They're not in the bottom of the league for salary cap per se, but they're not, they're in the middle. You know, they invested in this year. They, they wanted to win. They went out and they got D- Dougie Hamilton. They revamped their whole back end. They got graves. They, they tried to make some moves this year. This is the year Jack Hughes is going to take the next step. He's going to be that number one center that we always wanted. Nico Hirschire, our captain, is going to be the guy. We got all these young players. We're, we're going to take the, the league by storm. They're so incredibly bad. They got smoked last night by Toronto, 7-1. Nothing has worked for them. Blackwood's gone. He's been injured. He was going to be their Vesna trophy candidate. It's nothing has worked for the New Jersey devils this year. And I anticipate them losing 70% to 75% of all their games this season to go. So they're going to lose a lot more games. They're a bad hockey team up and down. That's my two. Excuse me. My number three, I go back and forth. Ottawa has been playing better. Seattle has been playing better in their last 10. They're four and six. And I, I just, I like your Philadelphia Flyers pick. They're they're brutal. And I know Arizona's got a worse record. I know Ottawa, New Jersey, Buffalo, Arizona. All these teams have worse records with the salary cap that they have, with the potential that they had, with all the work they did in the offseason. It's a train wreck. Arizona is supposed to lose. Seattle is supposed to lose. Buffalo is supposed to lose. They have bad rosters. Philadelphia is supposed to win. They were built this year to win. Their GM said, we're going to go out. We're going to compete. We have holes. Okay, I'm going to go fill them. We need a physical defenseman. We got a Rista Rista lineup. We need a puck moving, puck uh, shot blocking defenseman. I'm going to get you the best one in the business, Ryan Ellis. We need a, you know, a new face for Voracek. I'm going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to trade him straight up for Cam Atkinson. We're going to get rid of Nolan, Nolan Patrick. He's not working here. We're going to bring somebody else. He didn't sit on his hands. He went out and spent money. It's just been an epic failure for Philadelphia. These players deserve to have. Just sh- public shame. Pu- pu- put him on the top of the stairs where Rocky did his little. Dun, 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 dun. What's the Rocky tune? I don't even know. Everybody gets an egg in the whole city and you get to throw it at the players for how bad they play. That's it. Egg them. Egg in your face. How much of this do you put on Giroux? And does that, does that, if you're a team looking to add a piece of a deadline, does, does that like scare you at all? Do you think he comes with any baggage or negativity or, or bad culture type of stuff? Well, yeah, big time. And, and it's hard to say this because I think he's a fantastic player. I really enjoyed playing with him. I think he's probably a great guy. I've only talked to him a handful of times just on the ice and in the hallways around. This solely falls on Drew. He's the captain of that team. He, you know, he's the straw that stirs the drink. He's the guy who steers the ship. And the last time I checked, this ship has been sinking for the last 10 years. They had a good run 10 years ago when they made the Stanley Cup finals and they lost. But maybe that was because of Chris Pronger. 
maybe he was the guy who was pulling the strings, right? He's a vet guy. He probably rallied the troops. Ever since Giroux has been the guy, Philly's been an epic disappointment. I pick him every year. and I pick him every year to be good. And they just disappoint me. They disappoint everybody. They have good players. Something, something's wrong. It'll be interesting if he leaves this year and they bring in some more veteran presence or they bring in some other pieces that they all of a sudden take off. Then it's just even more glaring that he's the problem. But how else can you not blame him? Honestly, it has to be him. He has to hold people accountable. And he's obviously not doing that. Making too many pigeon noises on the ice, having fun. Yeah, yeah. He sounds like he's got the one of the best chirp games in the league. But what, like, how do you like? Does that so? You, does that say you don't want to trade for him if you're like if you're the Bruins or you're another team, the Wild, who's looking to add another another top six forward? Does that scare you? No, not at all. Because you already have a leadership group in place. And you know what drives me crazy? Every player who's out there is always linked to the Bruins. Every single one. You notice that? Where's the good landing spot for this guy? The Bruins. Would if be I have anything to say spot. about it. Every single player is the Boston Bruins. It's a good landing spot for him. But no, it, it doesn't scare me. I, I think he's a great player. Maybe he's just not a captain. You know, maybe he's not that guy. I played for great, great captains in my career. I played for guys who maybe weren't meant to be captains, but they were thrust in that position. He's the most skilled guy on the team. Maybe he just doesn't have that side of him. But um, no, if I'm a GM, that's a good player to have on your side going into the playoffs. So I don't top three, bottom three done. We spent a lot of time on that, Tim. A lot of time on that. Speaking of trade. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to bring up the same thing. I, I kind of wanted to compare Giroux and some of those other names out there and how you might, who's the one that, and then they all bring us something a little bit different to their game, but in terms of skill set, in terms of contract, I think they're all in the same ballpark. We got uh, Debrinkit, whose name has been thrown around in the last week or so. He's only 24 years old. He's making 6.4. He's got two more years of his contract. Well, one after this year, um, but his name's been thrown around a little bit. And he's a good player, obviously. You got JT Miller, who's sort of like the 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 bell of the ball right now. Uh, you got Pavelski, you got Giroux, you got Hurdle. Who who do you want? Who's your guy of a deadline? If you're if you're looking, if you're Minnesota, you're trying to add a piece. Who's who's the guy? Well, Tim, before we do that, before I do any serious thinking, I like to have a full stomach. And in order to have a full stomach, I need to do DoorDash. It it, it gets me my food so fast. And in the morning, maybe I want some donuts. Maybe I fire up my, my DoorDash app. I'm like, oh, Krispy Kreme. Ding dong. Krispy Kreme is at my stinking door with some Krispy Kreme donuts and some hot coffee. It's doable. It's possible. If there's a Krispy Kreme within five hours from you, I think you can do it if you pay enough money. But you got to pay up a little bit more if you're getting five-hour delivery. Trust me. But DoorDash will do it. They've done it for me, and they'll do it for you. All you got to do is go there, fire up your app, fire up your computer, wherever you Get your DoorDash. Enter my promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. Get yourself a little discount, 25% off. You get free delivery. It's an amazing deal. It's like you get your first order free. You know what I would do? My first order, if I'm getting that discount, I'm blowing it out. I'm ordering from Morton Steakhouse. I'm ordering from some fancy place. I'm getting my money's worth of that 25% off, baby. I'm getting 25% off a $500 order. I'm getting it for everybody in my area. I'm sending out a massive tweet. Who wants DoorDash? I'm ordering it. You're getting 25% off. Maybe you don't have to go that big, but that's what I would do. Enter promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Gloves DD US here from the USA helps me out, helps you out. DoorDash. All right, back to your question. Those five guys, very all very good players. If you if you're a GM, you're lucky to have all of them. If if I'm doing a long term projection, 
I think the first player I'd want to get is Thomas Hurdle. He's a, he's a one C. He's the guy who you can plug. That's your guy for the next seven years. Like that, that, that he's an incredible player. Number two, JT Miller. I think you put him right in that same conversation as a Thomas Hurdle. He does everything. He kills penalties. He's on power play. You, you can count on him to do the right thing at the right time. He's not going to slack off defensively. Number three is a Debrinket. Massively, the highest offensive upside, I think, of all these five players is Debrinket. He's a water bug. He gets up and down the ice. He scores goals. He's a proven offensive talent. Maybe not as well-rounded as the other guys, but he's just there. Number four, Claude Giroux. I think he's just, maybe he's hungrier than other guys, but maybe not as hungry as number five, Joe Pavelski. Those two guys are interchangeable. Their age is what slights them. But if it's just for a one-year rental, I'm going Pavelski one. He's proven it. He's done it. He's unflappable. He's done it in the playoffs. But for a, a, you know, a three, four, five-year projection, he's got to be my number five just because he's so old. You know what I mean? But he he has not slowed down at all, but... I'm not going to count on Joe Pavelski leading my team in 2025. If it's a one-year rental, I'm going Pavelski one, then I'm going Hurdle, then I'm going Miller, then I'm going Giroux, and Dabrinkit is my last. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Who do you like out of those five? So so just to make sure I understand, if it's one-year rental, you're going with Pavelski? Pelves is number one. Yeah, Pavs. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's hard to argue that. I mean, I, I don't know. Gosh, I love the way JT Miller is playing, though, and I think – Every team in the league wants him right now. The way that he's he's scoring at a hat trick the other day, he's producing, he's physical. I think he might be my number one. Uh, and I, I mean, and I like actually all of these guys. I think can play both center and wing. Maybe not, maybe not to bring it, but the rest of those guys can have played both down the middle and on, on either side. So I think it's there, there's flexibility there, which is great. Uh, I think JT Miller's my guy, though. I think he's the one. If, if I'm if I'm look, looking to add a, a top six forward at the deadline, he's the one I'm starting with. He's the one I'm placing those phone calls for. But you also got Brock Besser. If I got him, he's another expiring contract. I think he would like to hit the open market based on what we've heard. So, um, yeah, it'll be cool to see how that plays out. Yeah, there's a lot of high-end names that have some term on their contract or you would want to sign to a long-term deal which is rare to have at the trade deadline. Usually you get the veterans, their team is struggling, and they're, they're just looking for uh, greener pastures, and the team's looking to unload them. This, this is a rare season where you have players who you can invest in long-term, the Hurdles, the Millers, the Debrinkets, the Bessers. These are young guys who have a lot of runway ahead of them. So it'll be interesting to see the return they get on these players more than just like a one-year rental. So I don't know. What else are we doing, Tim? Uh, I was just looking at the stats this morning and last night, and, and one thing kind of jumped out at me. We know that Edmonton has has slowed down quite a bit. They've won the last two, though. Um, but Connor McDavid, he's. I looked at. The, I mean, this is no. This is not a slight in any way. But he's fell to third in in, in points um, behind. Is he fourth now? Um, yeah. So he's got three goals, three assists in his last last eight games, which is still obviously great production. But that's not good enough for Connor McDavid. He probably won twice that. He probably won 12 points in his last eight games, and he's done that many, many times. So he's still producing, not to his level. What struck me is that the other night they, they won 7-1 against Montreal, the worst team in the league. He had zero points. Um, if, I'm, if I'm Edmonton, I might be thinking that's a positive. You're getting your, you're getting your depth guys. You're getting the, the whole roster involved. You, don't, you can win seven, score seven goals, win a game without your best player on the scoreboard. So maybe that's a good thing, but... Something to keep an eye on. Maybe he's slowing down a little bit. Maybe he's got some kind of nagging injury, and that might explain so, sort of what's going on with uh, with Edmonton as a whole. Yeah, something's going on there. He's not happy. He's obviously struggling. And like you said, six points in eight games is struggling. But when you start the season averaging three points a game for the first 15 games and you got 39 points in what, like 12 games, 
this is there's something going on at Edmonton. Dryan Sino has continued to produce. He's got more points than Connor does at this point. So Edmonton's in trouble. I, I don't want to just beat a dead horse, but uh, they're in trouble even with Evander Kane. Something's got to happen there. Something more than just bringing in Evander Kane because that didn't fix the issue. That just made one aspect of their game better. They're still terrible defensively. Koskinen's been playing better of late, but he's he's a bad goalie. So we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm hoping Edmonton continues to lose and they finish dead last. That would be happy, happy days for me. But then there's another side of me. It's like, well, we want those guys in the playoffs. So it's the angel and the devil, Tim. I should want the best for everybody, but I don't. I'm a flawed person. We're all flawed. We're nobody's perfect. You know what is perfect, Tim? Points bet and your and your record lately. What do we got? Who can we just book, book it? The lock of the week. What are we doing today for points bet? There are actually two games I have my eye on. The first two. one. Yeah, the first one. Um, Detroit against LA Kings. Detroit's an underdog. I really like them to, to make things interesting down the stretch. I still don't really see. I haven't done the math. I don't think there's any way they can knock Washington out of that second wild card spot. But it would be interesting to see, to see them make things interesting. So I think they're going to win some games. I really like the way they're playing. They're underdogs against LA Kings plus 115. So I'm, I'm making that. I like that bet a lot. The second one, and this is a game I want to get your take on this. The Oilers and the Capitals are playing tonight. Two teams that we love to dump on. Um, the Capitals are favored, <laughs> minus 125. Who do you like to come in out of that one? Well, the Capitals played last night versus Pittsburgh, an overtime game, so they might be a little bit tired. Edmonton's coming in fresh. They've been waiting for that game to finish. So I'm going to take the Oilers, just based on sheer rest factor. Pittsburgh will be a little tired. Edmonton's raring to go. Vander's going to want to shake off that bad game versus Ottawa, so he'll be fired up. I'm going to take the Oilers in this one. Who did you take? Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like the Oilers. They're, they're plus 105, the slight underdog. So, yeah. I like it. All right, everybody. We'll get your money down. Have some fun on points, but go to DoorDash. Hit them up. Give us a like on YouTube or wherever you watch this. I don't know. And um, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.